0: Welcome to Mental Health Conversations, a series of podcasts to help families and faith communities begin conversations on mental health. The goal of these podcasts is to provide education on mental health conditions, invite further conversations through discussion questions, and offer resources for follow-up. This podcast is produced by the Northeastern Minnesota Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and is funded by a generous grant from the ELCA Disability Ministries, made possible through Always Being Made New, the Campaign for the ELCA.
1: The topic for today's podcast is depression, equipping family and friends. Our guest today is Emily Jacobsma. Emily has her masters of social work and is a licensed independent clinical social worker. Emily works for as a crisis psychotherapist in an emergency room with Health East in the Twin Cities. Welcome Emily, thank you for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me. So, we're going to dive in. We're talking about the topic of depression this morning. What exactly do you do as a crisis psychotherapist? Sure. So, I I'm a mental health
2: therapist, and I work out of an emergency room. So I see patients who are in crisis, having acute symptoms. I complete diagnostic assessments with them. And then the patient and I work together to make a plan for what we're going to do.
1: Um, When you say acute, what does that mean? mm -hmm.
2: So it can mean the severity is um, severe or that it happened in a sudden onset, all of a sudden, a big change. So when that happens with somebody's Mm -hmm. mental health, sometimes it means admitting them to the hospital for a safe place to stay. And other times it means that we work together to come up with a plan for them to go home and return to the community
1: with resources. So that is my whole job. That's what I do all day. (laughs) So these days, as people are coming into the ER, what conditions and trends are you seeing? Sure. So
2: things that would bring somebody to the ER are... um a sudden impairment in functioning, struggling to even just do their daily life, Mm -hmm. eat, sleep, go to work, go to school. Um, And sometimes it's severe as suicidal ideation, psychosis, homicidal ideation, substance abuse issues, self-harm. There are a lot of reasons that my patients present to the ER. Quite a few. Mm -hmm. There's a big spectrum.
1: My patients are really diverse. Um, Is everybody the same who shows up? No,
2: (laughs) no, I specifically work in a metro area and in um, a downtown um, urban setting. So I see people who are homeless and living in poverty. But we also have some suburban hospitals where we see people who are highly educated, really high functioning, lawyers, athletes, honor roll students. Um, So it really, you know, mental health problems are, you know, equally affecting lots
1: of populations of people. Absolutely. Mental illness and depression can impact anyone. That's what I hear you saying, despite Mm -hmm. their background, despite their socioeconomic, Mm -hmm. no matter what, just mental illness does not Um, Discriminate at all. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to hear and for people to remember. Honestly, I just don't think that we can hear that enough, that mental illness can impact anyone. Uh, Yeah, everyone. Despite Mm -hmm. their background. So today's topic, podcast topic, is to learn more about major depressive disorder, which we often talk about as depression. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about depression, Um, specifically youth or teenagers and depression? Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more. So
2: when we talk about even more broad is just mental health and there is a whole – wide range of emotions and behaviors that we all experience as humans.
1: Um, Especially as teenagers and young adults. Mm -hmm.
2: And mental health professionals are looking at patients through the lens of um, clinical diagnoses. And so those are kind of groupings of symptoms and behaviors. So major depressive disorder is a really specific diagnosis a lot of people associate depression with sadness, mm. but clinical depression is m- more profound than just sadness. It is marked by mostly impairment in functioning. So, some examples are a patient or person isolating themselves, a youth, you know, not wanting to interact with other people or their mm-hmm. friends like mm-hmm. they normally do. Adolescents specifically will often complain of aches or pains. A lot and of so people that's the sign
1: of depression, these aches and it pains. It can be okay.
2: one of them. A lot of people with depression describe just feeling profound sadness. Mm-hmm. And they describe it sometimes as like being underneath ice and looking up at everybody or being behind oh. glass.
1: What an um, image.
2: Yeah, just uh like a feeling of not being able to reach into their daily life. You would find youth and adolescents to be more irritable than normal. You'd see a change in performance or attendance at school, increased appetite or decreased
1: appetite. Um, I think people often think that it's going to be decreased appetite. mm -hmm. But that's an important piece to remember that it might not Mm -hmm. just be decreased, it might be increased Mm -hmm. or...
2: And disordered eating is a whole other grouping of mental Mm -hmm. health diagnoses. And so there is a lot of crossover amongst the different diagnoses. But it, you know, any kind of changes in basic functioning could be a sign of an adolescent struggling with their mental health. And then another thing to look for specifically with depression is statements of hopelessness, worthlessness, helplessness, making statements like things are never going to get better. And then specifically, what's really concerning is if you hear a youth or an adolescent Mm -hmm. make references to being a burden to other people, that's a big warning sign, Mm -hmm. making statements like, um, my family would just be better off without me, I'm a waste of space, that kind of thing. And then other behaviors like self-harm, cutting or burning, that can be kind of a a more severe sign of depression. Not a a normal or not a super common, but definitely one of the most concerning symptoms.
1: Let's focus for a minute on cutting, burning, these pieces that we call Mm self-harm. When a youth is depressed, they might do these, they might do self-harm to themselves, Mm -hmm. such as this cutting or burning. Um, What does a parent or family member do if they start noticing marks on arms or neck or in areas that they don't typically see? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, commonly you'll see self-harm on um, an adolescent or a teen's, like, forearm, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they'll do it in places that are hidden, like on their legs. Mm -hmm. And why? You want to – well – There are many reasons. It can be a coping skill. It's an outlet because they're in such severe pain internally that Mm -hmm. they feel some sense of release to hurt their body physically. Mm -hmm. It can help them convey to the outside world how they're feeling. It's, you know, kind of a way to show how seriously they're hurting. There are a lot of reasons. It in in some rare circumstances, it can be a suicide attempt. And so anytime you see self-harm, you want to take it really seriously. You want to reach out, get a professional involved, make sure that the youth's, you know, safety is secure and that, you know, they don't need medical attention. And, you know, you want to act on it that day that you notice it.
1: How would you approach that so what might somebody Mm -hmm. say if if they see marks that they're not they're surprised to see or they're not used Mm -hmm. to seeing is there any like a sentence or what what could I say to approach someone I think that it's important as the adult whether you're
2: a parent or you know another role model in their life that you as the adult stay calm and just Name it and and point out what you're noticing. Say to them, "Oh my word, you must be in so much pain." Mm-hmm. You Acknowledging. know, acknowledge and really empathize, mm-hmm. and say
1: to them that we can get you help. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not, if they might notice cutting or self harm, but mm-hmm. the other signs and symptoms that you talked about as well, irritability, uh, the increased appetite or decreased appetite or, or just profound
2: negative. sadness, profound mm-hmm. change in mood. Yeah. I mean, really all the symptoms of depression, you do want to take seriously. Mm-hmm. You you want to get them
1: help. And how can they get help? Or what, what's, yeah. what are next steps? So, so
2: generally, when you need help for your mental health, there are a couple places that you would seek support, most importantly would be a therapist. So a psychologist, a clinical social worker, marriage and family therapist, somebody that spends a good amount of time with you. Usually a session is like 45 minutes to an hour. They can do a diagnostic assessment to get you answers about whether you meet criteria for a depression diagnosis or not. You can start with a family doctor or pediatrician if you don't have access to a therapist. And then as far as self-harm and suicidal ideation, you would want to present to a hospital just to make sure that there isn't any medical attention that you need. If somebody is making those statements about being a burden or hopelessness or wanting to die, then that is the time to go to an emergency room. To take seriously. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And make sure that they don't need, you know immediate intervention that night to be kept safe.
1: If a family member wants to simply learn more about depression, what are some of your go-to mental health sites that you refer, mm-hmm. encourage people to, to learn more? Yeah. So NAMI, it's
2: N-A-M-I dot org, is my favorite website for families and adults to just get a baseline knowledge about these mm-hmm symptoms and behaviors. They have lists on their website of support groups specifically for parents and loved ones. And then there's also an APA guide for clergy members as well. That's a really great resource.
1: So as you were talking about just a little while ago about if if someone was self-harming or if there are these if the clinical signs of depression are apparent, you're sharing where someone could go get help, where can they go, mm-hmm. um, any other, I think I interrupted that a little bit, any other places yeah. or ideas of, of where family members can get help if they need to get their, their child, their young adult, their mm-hmm. friend yeah. help or resources?
2: Yeah, so individual therapists oftentimes work in mental health clinics or primary care clinics. Many, you know, major towns and cities have mental health clinics that you can go to for support. What if they don't? What if, yeah, don't if you, you live in more of a rural area, you often will have a mental health professional on staff at your county, okay. which is really a great resource. Um, so
1: someone could find more information if they went online or found yeah. a found phone number and... And that would connect Mm -hmm. them to more resources.
2: Yeah, yep. The county, and then also your child's school will a lot of times have a psychologist or a social worker on staff. Um, sometimes that's different. You might have a school counselor and they might be more equipped to do like academic advising, but what you're specifically trying to seek out in this situation is a licensed mental health professional
1: so and so that school person might that school employee might know where to go next yes mm-hmm. or they might be you know equipped yeah, okay. to treat the adolescent
2: themselves so. Some great high schools will have mental health professionals in their office. Elementary schools will have clinical social workers that can do some mental health work with children. So, yeah, schools, doctor's offices, counties are all good places to start if you don't have a mental health clinic in your area.
1: Bringing up delicate topics and starting conversations can be challenging, and Mm -hmm. it can be challenging With youth of a variety of ages and young adults and adults of Mm -hmm. all ages, what might a family member say to their youth if they think that they're depressed? Mm -hmm. So
2: I think that the best way to approach it is like you would approach a lot of other important conversations that you have with your child. Um, I think that it starts with just pointing out kindly and warmly what you're noticing Mm -hmm. so just saying to them you don't feel like it doesn't feel like it doesn't seem like you feel like yourself lately or you seem more down than normal or I noticed you haven't been going to school or your practices or seeing your friends can we talk about it and tell me more Or just naming, you know, the behaviors, like you're sleeping so much and you're not eating and you haven't showered at all this week. And
0: that's concerning to me. Mm -hmm. That's
2: concerning
1: to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: I think it's just helpful to be really concrete and um, sometimes not so helpful to say explicitly, I think you're depressed, but more so explain the changes that you're seeing and... How you want to get them some support around those symptoms? And it sounds
1: something like that they ca- that as a parent or a family member, friend, I I notice this. Mm-hmm. I see you, and I see these changes. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's different, and yeah. that's concerning. And I want to check in. I want to mm-hmm. see what's going on. If there's something going on,
2: and I think just having the conversation period is mm-hmm. just important. It can feel uncomfortable, you can feel unsure about where you're going to start, But one thing that is important to know is that depression really thrives in isolation. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to kind of reason away some of these changes as, oh, they're just being a normal teen or this was just because of the breakup that happened six months ago or whatever. But it doesn't ever hurt to get
1: a professional involved and get your adolescent the support that they need. I think that's good to hear too. If as a parent or family member or friend, if we think... Ah, there's just something mm-hmm. off, or there's something mm-hmm. my gut is telling me. Maybe I, I need to check in. Yes. And to not be afraid to check in. Yeah, because if you have
2: your teenager, or your adolescent assessed, mm-hmm. and the therapist or doctor feels like, you know, this is more of an adjustment problem to mm-hmm. something that happened, or, you know, and they feel that they're safe, then
1: you have that peace of mind. (laughs) So there could be something else going on. We might think that, oh, this person maybe is experiencing depression. Mm -hmm. But there could be a variety of pieces. It sounds like that's why it's so important to Mm -hmm. get it checked out or assessed. Mm -hmm. What about if a youth is concerned about one of their friends? What are some steps as a family member or a friend or another adult mentor in their life? Mm -hmm. What what can we do at that point? What can Mm -hmm. we say or do? So I think it's... um,
2: always helpful if you as an adult recognize concerns about your child's friend or your child Mm -hmm. comes to you with concerns about their friend to get the adults in that friend's life involved this is a problem mental health is a problem that affects families Mm -hmm. and systems and so you know it's it's really important that the people who are directly interacting with that teen are the ones Helping them with the healing and doing the healing themselves,
1: and so, so gathering as a community is important when we all
2: yeah or, notice or, yeah or even just you know going to the other parents and just okay. saying this could be nothing, but my child brought these concerns to me, and I just want you to be aware. Mm-hmm. And also, just you know, having resources and education on hand for your child, so making sure that you're having conversations with your kid proactively um, sure. so, so that so it's they open we can yeah, talk about this as well yeah so they have some language and right. and some ability to recognize these issues uh, amongst their friends mm-hmm.
1: as we near the end of this podcast on equipping family members and friends on the topic of depression would you share Let's say it's a little homework for people who are listening, or mm-hmm. could you give us three conversation starters for family members and friends to use when they want to begin a conversation on depression? Sure. So
2: I think it's normal to feel
1: overwhelmed or or even
2: frightened by this topic, but it's really important when you're going to go start a conversation with someone that you are watching the way in which you speak yeah. like tone mm-hmm. and body li- are you talking about facial yeah. expression body language all that yes too? and checking in with yourself maybe having conversations with other adults first okay. to make sure that when you go to the teen or the adolescent to bring up these concerns you're not Conveying any sense of shame about it, embarrassment, right. or fear. Okay. Um, you don't want to sound alarmist mm-hmm. because teens will pick up on that right. and write you off.
1: That's right. not going to open up the conversation. No, it sound like
2: no. It. And they need to see the confidence in you mm-hmm. and, and hope. And so bringing hope to the conversation that although this is really a distressing thing to experience for the teen and the family, that it is. Not an uncommon problem. It's highly studied and there are really good evidence based ways to treat it. And so, um, you know, just to kind of prepare yourself before you sit down. So, once you go to sit down, ways that you can start the conversation. If You know, today there are a ton of references to depression and mental health in our pop culture. (laughs) Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not, (laughs) um, depending on how it's being portrayed. But starting with talking about something outside of the teen first, so it's less personal. So a show, a movie,
1: a song can be a good conversation starter. That's focused on depression or just sort of...
2: Yeah, yeah. Depression, sadness, the... Or even suicide. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of references to suicide now in teen movies and shows. There's Broadway musical that references suicide in a teen. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different material out there that y- you know y- you wouldn't necessarily want to present that material to your teen as a topic. But
1: it breaks down the barrier. <laughs> but to if start they are the already being
2: exposed yeah. to something, it is right. a way to begin the conversation. Right. You obviously need to be careful about
1: <laughs> where these things are coming from. But that's also a good reminder that our, society, our youth are bombarded with lots of different messages from mm-hmm. a variety of social media and musicals and plays and television. Yeah, and it's
2: already the, out there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, chances are you going to the teen and having this conversation is not going to be the first time they mm-hmm. – have heard or, or spoken about depression and suicide. And so that's why it's even more important to even have the conversation. Because they're already talking about it they with are friends or yeah. at school or... Which, you know, another conversation starter is if you as an adult have experienced some history of depression or other mental illness Mm -hmm. or addiction, and you, this is kind of important that you have done a lot of healing with it, and you Mm -hmm. feel like you can speak about it in a healthy way. Healing by like...
1: Doing your own self therapy, or therapy. Mm-hmm.
2: sometimes medication, mm-hmm. spiritual work. So you can bring up your own experience, and that can really, you know, break down the walls and make
1: anyone, you know, feel comfortable. Um, Earlier, just talking about families and family mm-hmm. systems and how mental health conditions are a family mm-hmm. uh, illness. Illness, yeah. And so,
2: I in a lot that, of ways, yeah, they can run genetically in families. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be behaviors that are learned or modeled. And so, you know, it's not uncommon that a teen will have seen even just like a relative. But I think it's really important in our society and where we're at right now that there are examples of People talking about their mental illness in a candid way from a place of healing where they can, as you said, yeah, you you know, because it's not shameful to Mm -hmm. have depression. But a lot of kids are growing up in households where parents have struggled with depression, they're on antidepressants or they go see a therapist. Mm -hmm but the parents don't talk about it or they do it
1: in secrecy so then it sends this message of shame mm-hmm. rather yeah. than yeah let's talk about this because uh-huh. this is what's happening in our family yeah. and you could be prone to this genetically
2: yes. but let's
1: let's talk about it so that we are aware of what we need to do next
2: yeah and the conversation should be done in a healthy way okay. you know you don't want to be disclosing really, you know, graphic details about your times when you've had really acute severe mental Mm -hmm. illness, whatever Mm -hmm. it could be. But I think even just simply being open about taking medication and going to therapy is a really great, yeah. And I always say, like, we don't talk in secrecy About like going to go see a cardiologist if we have a heart problem or, you know, any other (laughs) medical physician, Uh it's generally, you know, you only share that information with people who need to know that or people in your family that could also have those genes. But, you know, we talk openly about it usually. Mm -hmm. So I think the same can be done with mental health. Um, And lastly, the third conversation starter is just to start the conversation just to, again, I said this before, but just – name it explicitly mm-hmm. and speak about it in a way that shows that you don't think it's shameful, you're not scared of it. That's key,
1: that you're not mm-hmm. afraid, that you're not scared of it. Yeah.
2: And and to just be checking in with your kids and and you can use the word depression and say, do you think yes. you're feeling depressed? Do you think that's what this could be? And maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but You won't know until you open that door for them to talk about it.
1: Thank you, Emily, for Mm -hmm. sharing your expertise, your great ideas, your concrete ideas, your wisdom. We are grateful for your presence with us today on this podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to talk about this topic. I
0: think it's so important. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining Mental Health Conversations, a ministry of the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative. These podcasts are an educational resource for parents and ministry leaders and are intended as a first step to begin conversations on mental health. The information provided here is not complete and does not cover all issues related to mental health. These podcasts should never replace the advice of a skilled mental health professional. Always seek the advice of a mental health professional or other qualified health provider for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment if you suspect you or someone you know has a mental illness or mental health condition. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911 immediately. If you are having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-8255 to talk with a trained counselor. For more resources from the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative, visit www.nemnsynod.org slash mental health. Thank you for taking the time to invest in these conversations.